This episode of Armchair Explorer is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. And epic journeys is what we're all about. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Armchair Explorer, where the world's greatest adventurers tell their best story from the road. I'm Aaron Miller, I'm a travel writer, and this episode is for all you powderheads out there. We're about to go heli-skiing in Alaska with an Olympic gold medalist. Are you ready to carve up some turns? Yeah, me too. Let's go. an Olympic gold medalist downhill skier for the US ski team. He won that gold in the Lillehammer Olympics in uh, 1994. And he is an absolute legend in the skiing community. He's going to take us to his favorite place to go shred up some turns, his favorite place on earth, the Tordrillo Mountains in the far north of Alaska. One of the most beautiful and remote and big places to go skiing on the planet. But that's not all. Later on in the show, Tommy's also going to take us turn by turn through his gold medal run. It's an incredible story. I loved listening to him tell this story. It was so exciting to hear what it feels like to go 75 miles an hour down a steep, icy slope. I really think you're going to like this one. Let's get going. But first, and super quickly, just a few reminders. If you want to book this trip or any of the trips that you hear about on this show, you can through our website, armchair-explorer.com. We have loads of stuff up there. We are building a community here of people that love adventure, that love exploring the world and want to celebrate this beautiful planet by just jumping straight in. If that sounds like you, welcome. We're going to get on well. I'm looking forward to hanging out. And you're in for a treat today because Tommy is about to take us on an awesome adventure. Let's get ready. We're about to go skiing with an Olympic gold medalist. You know, I, I grew up skiing and uh, I started skiing at the Big Mountain in uh, Montana back in the 70s. My dad was a pretty avid skier. He was a ski patrolman and uh, a really great free skier. And I just remember the first time I was on skis, I was pretty much in between his legs and he was showing me how to snowplow. And I just remember loving it from that point on. And then uh, when I was uh, elementary school, I, I joined the ski club at the Big Mountain. And I remember when I was in elementary school, I'd find myself daydreaming out the window because we could see the ski area uh, from our school. And I just remember wishing that I was up on the slopes. I started racing in Montana and then I made it to the junior Olympic level and I, I won when I was pretty young at, at, a, at an early age. I won some junior events and then uh, I made the national team when I was 16 years old in uh, in Colorado. I was at the U.S. National Championships uh, at Copper Mountain and I, start, I was at the back of the, uh, the starting order. and. Um, I wasn't really expected to do all that well, but I, I, I remember I had a pretty good run in the downhill and I, I kind of surprised everybody at the race because usually after the, you know, 30 or 40 people go down, the race is over. But uh, I think I was bib 70 and I came down and got fifth place in the, in the U.S. national downhill and then 
pretty much from that point on, I was, uh, you know, they, they named me to the uh, U.S. ski team when I was 16, and, and uh, I started racing World Cup when I was 17 years old. I, I remember racing um, at the Europa Cup level and also on the World Cup level when I was 17 years old. So I, uh, I got thrown to the wolves at a young age, and uh, it was invaluable experience for me. Thrown into the wolves is a really good description because to be skiing for the U.S. team at uh, 16 years old is crazy. Doing World Cups at 17, Tommy is a crazy talent, and a lot of that, uh, a lot of that comes from his the way he gets his mindset right. Uh, he talks a lot about something called flow, which is a, a state of mind that many top athletes report, where the world just disappears and all there is is you and the mountain whizzing past at 75 miles an hour. Um, it's a really fascinating uh, phenomenon, and it's something that uh, I think that we can take into our own lives too. And Tommy's going to give us some tips about how to do that, how to take that state of flow, how to get there, and how to take that into our own adventures and our own lives too. But for now, we're going to go to uh, Alaska, because this is where Tommy does most of his big backcountry stuff. He was born in Montana, but he moved to Alaska as a teenager. He, he learned and did a lot of his uh, top-level skiing there. And um, today he splits his time between Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, where he works as a ski guide, and the Tordrillo Mountains of Alaska, where he owns the Tordrillo Mountain Lodge and takes guests up on these crazy, epic, bucketless trips to these beautiful, untouched, pristine mountains. Um, but in fact, he, there's a good story about how he found the lodge because uh, he was with a bunch of buddies uh, soon after that he'd won that, that gold medal uh, in 1994. And they were on a rafting trip down the Squentna River, really in the middle of nowhere, and just came across these beautiful, pristine mountains that no one had ever skied before and thought, we have got to ski those. We actually were on a hunting trip, so we were hunting some doll sheep and and some caribou and kind of doing a reconnaissance trip in the area. And, and, uh, I guess when we were about four or five days into the river trip, you know, we came around this one corner and just looked up at the mountain range and, and we were just blown away by the, the sheer mass of, of the mountains and some of the glaciers and, and it just looked really good for skiing. So I think that was this, the fall of 97, we did that trip. And then in, in, uh, 1998, we, we started, a uh, ski trip out there with a few friends. We just kind of all, uh, least we all chipped in and leased a helicopter and did a recon trip. It was really just exhilarating to actually be be uh, lifted off from the lodge all the way up to six thousand feet and then be up on these glaciers skiing down these runs. And we we were pretty much in uh, in uh, disbelief at, at the amount of terrain that was up there. So you know we started. In, in one area, actually, in the northern part of the Tordrillos, and uh, we named it Valley of the Goods. <laughs> well, if you're into big mountains and fresh powder and steep lines and just pristine, pure, white wilderness all around, Valley of the Goods is selling it a little short. This is Valley of the Gods. The Tordrillo Mountain Range is a western Alaska range, so there's three parts to the Alaska range. Uh, Central, which is Denali, and uh, Mount Foraker, and some of the higher peaks of North America. And then the eastern side 
kind of borders up to Wrangell St. Elias National Park. And then the western side is where the Tordrillo Mountain Lodge is located. And it's a range that's about, oh, it's about 50 miles long by 20 miles wide with um, some of the peaks uh, go up to 12,000 feet. And some of the glaciers are up to 28 miles long. So there's huge valley glaciers and alpine glaciers. And um, it's just a real majestic range, pretty raw. You know, the geologies that work there, there's a, it's just a lot of granite. And there's a lot of, of uh, steep mountains with um, really aesthetic ski runs. And, and there's even some rock climbing if you're into rock climbing up there and uh, glacier hiking. And um, it's really, really a majestic range. The heli skiing and some of the backcountry experience that's that's happening now, it seems like people are really um, enjoying it just because there's that freedom that you have where there's no there's no grooming. Um, you're you're pretty much picking your lines down the mountain and making your own choices. So it's it's pretty much you accept the uh, the adherent risks when you go up in the mountains. And for the the ultimate, I think alpine experience, if you if you really want to go and and you know check that bucket list experience i think alaska or canada is the place and half of the fun of helicopter skiing is riding in the helicopter <laughs> so i just want to interject here because um i thought me and helicopters were mortal enemies that may be a story for another time but basically if you can picture me on a helicopter flight over the Grand Canyon um, and realizing three things within about a second of taking off. Dramamine doesn't work. Always bring a paper bag with you in a helicopter flight and vomiting doesn't get more spectacular than this. But, and this is a huge but, I was wrong uh, and I've made up with helicopters because when I went to Alaska uh, last year, I did a 45-minute flight on a helicopter and it was the most spectacular Thing I've ever experienced in my life. Um, there are places in the in the world where civilization just hasn't reached there yet, and Alaska is like that. So much of Alaska is like that. Um, as we flew from Anchorage towards Denali National Park and the, and the big mountain itself, um, you know, we were just flying over these sort of desolate white wastelands, and the 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 sunshine was just sparkling this Alaskan winter like frozen diamonds all around we saw tracks of moose um, we saw coyotes and and wolverines and it was just the most incredible wild and beautiful view I've ever seen so I agree with Tommy there it um, the helicopter flight is part of the adventure and part of the fun but seeing is one thing skiing into that view is something else altogether and oftentimes that is a run that no one has ever skied before for for us in in the Tordrillos we have a we have a, a map that we've we've penciled in lines that we've named over the past 20 years so for us we we have a, a bunch of runs that we've penciled in that don't have names but each year when i go back it seems like i find different variations to uh certain drainages or basins and, and connect the dots to where um, you usually find something new and exciting. And we have a, a run in, a, in the Tordrillos called Manhattan, and it pretty much res resembles uh, skyscrapers in New York City because it's a couloir that goes down and it's 40, 40 degrees, kind of a bucket list type run because it's, it's pretty famous and um, 
it just has that really cool aesthetic feel that you're you're in this little tight couloir and it's all it's all in an area we call the curtain and it's kind of like a curtain where you open open it up and and all and all of a sudden there's like 10 different couloirs that are i'd say they're 1500 to 2000 feet long and uh it's just a really special place the, the most intimidating thing i i about that run is actually the landing in the helicopter because when you fly into it you don't you don't land on the tippy top of the ridge you land just below the ridge i'd say about 200 vertical feet and there's this little um landing zone that's just a perfect little ridge and the and the helicopter comes in and it it, it almost looks like you're gonna fly right it right into the cliff but the pilots are really steady and they come in really slow and uh they kind of they land it just ever so gently on this ridge and they keep the power on because they can't really set the skids down in this place because it's pretty narrow and anyway they keep the power on so when you land uh, if i'm guiding i open the door and then i climb out and then i open the door for the guests and i have them climb out and it's it's a little bit intimidating just because the the helicopter is fairly noisy and the wind's blowing and you're on this kind of steep landing zone and anyway i, I unload the skis uh, as quick as I can and then shut the doors on the helicopter and then give the pilot a thumbs up and then once he takes off um, you know all the guests can look down the couloir and I think there's there's a fair amount of intimidation <laughs> once you're at the top though and you look down it's uh, it's it's just amazing because it's so narrow um, it's not it's a, I'd say it's probably you know five to ten meters wide and it goes for about five or six hundred feet before it opens up into this apron and uh yeah once you click into your skis and usually we have little talk about radios and uh i explain to the guests you know what to expect you know follow my track this have each person ski one at a time um and then i'll ski to a safe zone and then have the per first person ski on down so it's uh it's just an amazing run and and uh you know, once I put a track in some of the the couloirs in that area, I think the guests usually, you know, they ski right next to them and and they, they find fresh powder on the sides and and uh, it's just a crazy experience because the second half is it opens up, you, you kind of come through these cliff walls and it opens up to a nice big apron and then you ski this nice open field all the way down to the glacier to the pretty much the flats and then you look back up what you skied and. It's quite an accomplishment for uh, mere mortals that have never um, skied a real trophy line like that. This episode of Armchair Explorer is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on earth. And Pathfinder, that's a pretty cool name, isn't it? Because that's also what this show is all about. Exploring, getting off trail, having adventures, finding your own path and living life to the fullest. Sound like you? Yep, sounds like me too. Which is why I'm so excited to partner with Nissan. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has seven drive modes, available intelligent 4x4. It's got the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds. So go ahead and bring all that gear with you and lots more. The 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, a vehicle 
built for adventures everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. So Tommy's right, that uh, Manhattan ski run is intimidating. You can see videos of it up on YouTube. It's it's scary, um, but it's also one of the best shoots you'll ever ride and you will be dining out on that story in like ski bars and ski towns for the rest of your life the crack that is something else altogether that is insane a few years ago cody townsend uh skied he skied an adjacent couloir to it and he named it he named it the the crack so it's this um it's the one where he dropped in and it got like three million um hits on youtube and so he pretty much dropped into the to a run right next to manhattan and he, he had to straight run it and uh it was so narrow that all he could do is go straight so uh i got to about three seconds of watching the footage of that on youtube and i'll put the link up to that in in the show notes so you can check it out too um but three seconds in and my heart was already racing you know those water slides um at the water park the really really scary ones that basically just drop you straight down it looks like skiing one of those but on ice surrounded by rocky crags thousands of feet high in the middle of nowhere it is incredible and insane there's definitely a lot of terrain in the Tordrillos that's pretty much uh, a true big mountain experience or um, we call them career lines <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of ski terrain we have one snowboarder that comes up and films at the in the Tordrillos and his name is Travis Rice and he's a really famous snowboarder and he loves coming up there and uh, last spring he came up in April and we had a really huge snowpack so he he came up and and he just he did just that he did some career lines he did a bunch of terrain that uh nobody had ever skied and and he filmed it with a drone and it's probably going to come out this fall okay something else you have got to check out um search up travis rice uh the art of flight i'll put the link in the show notes and you can watch travis rice uh just shred up the tordrillos to give you an idea of what this place is like my favorite part he actually jumps out of a helicopter hits like a a 30 degree slope slams on down an avalanche blows up behind him and just chases him down this steep mountain slope and is he you know panicking no the guy is doing 360s and 180s and all sorts of tricks while this kind of ocean this tsunami of snow is just racing him down the mountain it's incredible to see I've had some near misses, um, you know, in Alaska, I've seen some big avalanches happen, um, you know, with, with skiers and you know, it's just, uh, if the snow's not right and sometimes you just have to really listen to your gut and, and, uh, stay safe and, and ski on mellow terrain. You know, one time I was, I was skiing here in the Tetons in March with a couple friends and we were on some big coulars on this North facing, um, um, canyon called granite and you know i when i dropped into it i kind of knew that it it didn't feel right so i stopped and then uh made a quick turn to the left and then the whole slope cracked out beneath me and uh you know it went three feet deep and the avalanche was uh 
it was probably like a class two or three. It went all the way down to the creek bottom and uh, it sounded like it was like almost glass. Like the snow that it was sliding on was a really uh, stiff crust. And uh, yeah, if I would have, you know, just went for it without having any precautions, I probably would have gotten, uh, I would have taken a big ride and it wouldn't have been pretty at all. A big ride is right. Now, if you ski with Tommy or any of his crew, you don't have anything to worry about. These guys know their stuff, but avalanches are no joke. So know what you're doing, know the risks. And if you don't, take a guide or head up to the Tordrillos and bigs, book some of those big winter adventures with Tommy uh, and his crew up at the Tordrillo Mountain Lodge. We'll put up info up on the show notes and the website about how you can do that. But for right now, don't worry about that because things are about to get very exciting. Tommy is taking us to the Olympics and down every single turn of his gold medal run. He picks up the story here talking about his career and the route up to that point. I raced the World Cup from 87 until 1998 and um, I raced all the big ones in Europe. Kitzbühel is like the hardest downhill in the world. I raced in Wengen, Switzerland and that those are those are some of the classics in Europe and um, you know I raced in Whistler, Japan, Norway, Sweden and uh, all those tours that I was on every season um, you know it took me six years before I really had a breakthrough from from 87 until 93 um, I hadn't really been in the top 15 only a couple times and the 93 season I had my breakthrough, I got uh, fifth place in the world championships in Japan. I really felt confident. I finally knew that if I skied my best, I could probably be in the top five in the world. And uh, I remember after Japan, I went to Whistler for a World Cup. We had the Dave Murray downhill. And uh, I just remember being at the start and for the downhill and I was like, I was ready like 10 minutes before I was supposed to go. I had my boots all buckled. I had all my clothes off. I was in my downhill suit and I said, either I'm going to get on the podium or I'm going to crash. <laughs> and uh, I remember just being in the zone. I had a flawless run. Um, was just looking for speed the whole way down this track. And uh, and uh, the downhill at, at, at Whistler is pretty much like a moto track. It just has a bunch of jumps and big fall away turns. And uh, really awesome terrain and and i just remember being in the zone and i came to the finish line and got second and i was just so elated i was like finally you know i podiumed in a world cup and uh it was just a huge breakthrough for me and uh, that was the 93 season and then the next season was the 94 olympics and uh that's when i had my best year an understatement not only did he win the gold in the Lillehammer Olympics in Norway four days later he also took silver in the Super G the first American skier to win two medals at any Olympics and then a few weeks later he took another World Cup Super G gold in Canada it changed his life but it started with a change of mental attitude and that is what I find so fascinating about all this you know, when I had my best results on the uh, on the World Cup and at the Olympics, it seemed like I had to be like in a relaxed state of mind because when you're at that level, you can't think about what place you're going to get or who you're going to beat. You just have to think about performing and executing the the best you can when you're on the course because it's almost like you're an autopilot and 
in order to get into that zone, you have to really train your mind, like you do a lot of visualization, so you memorize the course to a T, so you know exactly where every little jump and every little uh, micro-terrain feature is and, and the direction off some of the blind rollers. So um, for me, the when I had my best results, I just remember being super confident. Like I just trusted myself that I knew that I was gonna do well, and I didn't really, care about who I was going to beat or what place I was going to get. I just had to really focus on on that performance, which was the the mental aspect, which was skiing the best that I could. And uh, when I had that breakthrough in Whistler, I just remember not thinking about anything. It was almost like I was just looking for speed. And to explain to, uh, to non-racers, it's pretty much like being your own race car. Like when you're on that track, you're pretty much just have your the accelerator pressed to the floor the whole, the whole time. If we can visualize our success, if we can dream up the, the person that we want to be, if we can shut down all distractions and just be in the present moment, if we can regulate our emotions and, and get them to work for us and, uh, and enter that kind of zen, mindful state where we are... Uh, are limiting our stress and our nerves and we are just grateful and present in that in the fact that we're doing a, a sport and a skill and an activity that we love then we enter that magic frame of mind the flow state where there are no distractions there there is no fear there is just pure undivided attention on the task at hand and and you know tommy talks about it like an out-of-body experience where everything is in slow motion um, and that's exactly what it is. And, and you can get that with, with sports, but you can also get that in other areas of your life, whether that's adventure sports like skiing or rock climbing or mountain biking or just playing music or creating art or writing. Or um, It's a state of mind that's, that we should try and find and embrace because if we do, it's like a superpower. When we leave our ego behind and exist solely in the moment, no thought of success or failure, no distractions, just pure, mindful activity and gratefulness for that activity. We can do incredible things, including, if you're Tommy Mo, winning the gold medal when no one thought you could. I didn't really think that I was going to win the gold. I was just hoping to get like a any color you know gold silver or bronze would have been great but um the whole downhill run for me was uh it was almost like it was the out of body experience i uh i had i had one of those runs at the olympics where i felt like i was in slow motion like the whole track itself was super icy and and intimidating and and uh it was pretty much like a hockey rink with all these you know fall away turns and huge jumps and and really challenging terrain but it wasn't like the most difficult downhill track in the world there's like there's a lot of tracks that are that are super difficult on a scale of one to five and i'd say the uh the course in lilyhammer that i won the gold on was probably like a four out of five it was it just had a really nice flow and um to explain to people what flow is like it's almost when you when you're racing down a slope and you get in this rhythm where everything just feels right and you're you're making really clean turns and, and carving because 
at the Olympic level, or at least at the World Cup level, to uh, to be really fast on a downhill course, you actually have to carve every turn. You can't slide your skis at all. As soon as you slide your skis, you lose time. So it's pretty much like being on hockey skates and you're ripping down the mountain at 75 miles an hour in a skin-tight suit with uh, no safety except the, the padding and the, and the nets that are along the course. And, uh, you know, you have to take the tightest line which is the shortest distance between the uh, control gates to uh, to win the win the race, and um, it's a very mental sport. I'd say skiing's probably uh, ex- at least downhill skiing's probably 50% mental because all the athletes are super tuned up and uh, in really great shape, and you just have to have uh, you know the trust in your ability and the mindset that you're going to perform to the utmost. And um, yeah, I mean. When I had that Olympic win in, in 94, I surprised myself and even the rest of the world. The Olympic downhill in, in Norway, um, Andre Shatil Amat was, was the favorite and he's Norwegian and he, he was bib seven. And so he went out of the starting gate and ripped down the mountain and had the fastest time. And so there was like, I don't know, 20,000 people at the finish line. And they're all just going crazy. And, uh, you know, he had the fastest time. And he and I had been battling against each other, you know, for a couple years. And and I was right behind him, bib eight. But when I uh, when I jumped in the starting gate, it was pretty much like I said to myself, either I'm going to win or I'm going to crash. I don't, I don't, I might not ever have this chance again. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to floor it. My mantra at that time was, was, hands forward and outside ski and those were like two little little key points that kind of helped me focus on being really clean and and looking for speed but on the in the top section of the course it was super icy and uh i went out of the starting gate and held my line and got off the first section of the course and i was two tenths behind alma and then in the midsection i um i went off one of the bigger jumps and had a great flight and landed, you know, perfectly balanced. And then there was another um, kind of a left-handed turn that had a big jump in the middle of it. And when I came into that turn, I probably never could do it again, but I pre-jumped it, which was something that just happened. Like I lifted lifted up the tail of my skis and uh, I landed inside everybody else's track. I could see everybody else's track was like, you know, 10 meters away and and, uh, I made up, I think, four tenths in that section so I had like a, a two tenth lead going into, into the the middle and the bottom sections and in the bottom um, there it, the course kind of came out of the shadows and into the sunlight and I just remember coming into the sunlight and all I could see was like just like those gold um, frost you know those frozen particles that float in the sky when it's really cold out and I, I could see those in the sky and I was like this is good I'm having a good run here. Things are working, and uh, I maintained my line on the bottom and took a big flight off another jump. And uh, when I came to the finish line, I knew that I had a good run. And I didn't really look up at the scoreboard immediately. I uh, I went through the finish line and kind of slowed down, and then came to a stop. And then I looked at the at the at the board with the time on it, and it had number one fastest time. And I was just like, oh my god. I was like, yes, I kind of did like a little dance. I was so excited and uh, and uh, 
even to this day, I, I still watch it. Sometimes I'll show my Olympic run to, to guests at the lodge, up at TML, or sometimes I get invited to events and uh, I'll show my Olympic experience and I show the run and uh, pretty much that, that day I just outskied everybody. You know, if I watch uh, some of the other racers, they all had one mistake and uh, I didn't have any mistakes. And, and uh, it was one of those days where everything lined up and uh, you know, like a lot of times, you know, athletes talk about the zone when you get into a zone where, you know, the baseball looks really big or, you know, they could watch the football like, you know, land right in their in their fingertips. And, and uh, for me that day, it was just everything was coming together. And I didn't I didn't really worry about what place I was going to get or who I was going to beat. I was just trying to perform at my best. And uh, yeah, I would skied everybody and and. Uh, it's a very special day that I'll never forget. So I just watched Tommy's run and it's amazing. You can watch it on YouTube. I'll put the put the link in the show notes. It's just a perfect run. You can see that uh, every jump that he does is so balanced. He's just like carving and flowing turns. He looks so relaxed. It looks so effortless. Um and so I asked him afterwards, what's the secret? How, you know, how do you find that zone? How do you have that out-of-body experience on the mountain? And this is what he said. Everybody ha- has the zone that they get into. And uh, th- I think the only way you can find that zone is if you go out and keep trying to, to, to find the magic. And for skiing, it's, um, it's looking at the, at the snow, you know, watching the weather reports, you know, being out in the mountains where you live and, and, and kind of, you know, skiing at certain days and then watching the weather. And, um, and if you, if you spend enough time in the mountains, you're going to have those magical days where everything comes together and, you know, you watch the weather and it, it says it's going to be sunny on Friday and the snowpack's great. So, um, you get up early and prepare and, and get all your gear ready and, and have a good touring partner and, or a ski buddy and, and, you find those moments where it's almost like you're uh, you're in a special time and you're almost just time traveling and you don't really have any worries to think about. You're just in that special time where, where uh, you know, skiing is magic and you have these two skis on your feet where you're able to cover vast distances in a short time and uh, you just have to be looking for it. That's not going to fall in your lap. You have to work for it. And I think uh, in my career anyway, I've had some of my best days because I, I prepared for them and um, I knew what to expect when I was out there and, and uh, you know, I was thinking outside the box too. A lot of times people just follow each other and, and do a lot of the same things and uh, if, you're, if you're willing to pay the price and, and prepare mentally and, and physically for those, those sports that you love, you're going to have some, some magical days. Well, that's great advice. Uh, And I, for one, am stoked to get out and do some skiing. I hope you are too. Thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you for taking us on this amazing adventure from the backcountry of Tour Drillers to the gold medal run of the Olympics. It's been awesome. You can connect with Tommy uh, on Instagram at Tommy Mo or head over to TourDrilloMountainLodge.com to see how you can book some of that backcountry bucket list fun with the man himself. Big shout out also to my man Tristan Learmoth, who's the composer for today's music, uh, going under the name of Peter Schlemmel. 
Uh, check it out on uh, on Spotify. I will put all the details up on the show notes. Great tunes. Thank you, Tristan. So remember, guys, if you like this show, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're trying to build a community here of explorers and adventurers, of people who want to celebrate this beautiful, amazing planet by jumping headfirst in. If that sounds like you, join up. Hit up our Facebook page, Armchair Explorer Podcast. Hit me up on social media, at Aaron M. Writer. Sign up for the newsletter. Check out our website. Book some adventures with us. But most importantly, come back again. We have so much amazing stuff coming up, including in the next episode, an actual astronaut talking about what it's like to do a spacewalk on the International Space Station. Spoiler alert, it's insanely terrifying and profoundly life-changing when you see the Earth as a whole spinning in that vast, empty blackness of space. You realize that we are all in it together. We are all one. And that is what this show is all about. So please come back and hang out again. Subscribe, leave a review, share it with a fellow explorer. It's been amazing hanging out with you. It's been a pleasure taking this ride with you. So grateful to Tommy. And uh, please do check out all his stuff too. And remember, the more that we look for wonder of the world, the more the wonder of the world becomes a part of who we are. Dare to be truly alive. I'll see you next time.